Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Hi, this is Daniel Segura, host of the Mustachioed Podcastio. You like mustaches? You like movies? You like sexy chinganos? Well, the Podcastio is the place for you. We are talking legendary mustaches from Charles Bronson to the Great Bird Reynolds to the OG Ice-T. Find the Mustachioed Podcastio anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is M-O-U-S-T-A-S-H-I-O-D Podcastio. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network, your bi-weekly foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. I can't believe it's the end of Season 8 already, and per usual, I've got a great interview to share. In the past, I've interviewed celebs in the paranormal community like Michelle Belanger, well known for her work on Paranormal State, and spookypreneurs like Melinda Mitchell of Madame Cora's Emporium and the Museum of Mortality. This week, I bring you an interview with Matthew Robertson, a collector and seller of all things odd and macabre. I'm personally in awe of Matt's extensive collection of oddities, and I hope that you'll enjoy our chat. As is the case with many of the topics on this podcast, there may be content unsuitable for some listeners. Please consider the past content of this podcast and use that as your personal divining rod to figure out whether or not you should continue. This episode contains discussions of death, creepy collectibles including human remains, and general creepery. We also chat about religion briefly. If you don't want to listen to all that, you've been warned. You still listening? All right, let's continue. So take a seat on your favorite bone throne, I'm sure you've got several to choose from, and enjoy this wonderful interview with Matt. And if you'd like to start your own oddities collection, or beef up the collection you already have, head on over to Matt's Etsy store. The link is www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Matt's Curio Cabinet. I'll also drop the link into the show notes. You can also find Matt on Instagram at Matt's Curio Cabinet and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Matt's Curio Cabinet. Also, if you happen to purchase a scarificator, be sure to only use it on bananas. And now, on with the show. So, I guess to start... Um, have you always been interested in kind of the weird and macabre or, you know, were you interested in that before you actually began collecting what you collect? Like, I mean, for me, I know my dad was big into Halloween and I got into Halloween and now he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? What do you have in your office? Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm just curious how you came to, um, oddities collecting and the oddities community. That's a good question. Um, and that certainly wasn't something that was planned. I, I never started out collecting. I never knew anyone that collected, but I was always different, right? So Halloween was always my favorite holiday. And I think that that probably came from my mother. She She's always been into it as well. Um, and the dark side of it always appealed to me. So that's probably where the fascination with that side started. 
And uh, again, I've always been a little different and never understood why or how. And then I started, you know, just seeing people that collected odd antiques and uh, they just always seemed so cool to me and, and different. And uh, that, that really got the ball rolling with the fascination side of it. And then as cliche as it sounds, there's, there's so many people that would probably give the same answer, but uh, I got into the show oddities. Oh, I um, love that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It was a lot of fun. And that was a while ago. Um, you know, probably just a few years after it, it aired, but I, I started binging that. And I think I, I probably binged it two or three times yeah. and I'm still not sick of it, but that show more specifically was in contrast to say Pawn Stars, right? If you were oh, to pick yeah. one of the two, <laughs> I, I would always go towards the, they're very similar, but I would always yeah. lean towards the oddity show as opposed to the other one, the other, you know, Pawn Stars, just because it dealt with more things that, that I found more fascinating. Um, so I would say that that was a huge jumping off point. And then from there, after watching that show, I started looking more closely at antique stores and, you know, thrift stores for those particular types of items. Right. Mm. And, uh, and, and that's really how that all began. I I'd put a big emphasis on my mom and Halloween and then also the show oddities for sure. Yeah, and uh, Mike Zahn isn't Mike Zahn in the in the Facebook group? Yeah, and we're not friends by any means, but we're Facebook friends, and we we chat every <laughs> so often or bump into each other in the community so uh, every so often. Um, so that's wild. And same with Ethan, um, or excuse me, Evan. Um, oh, is yeah. Evan in the group too? Yeah, she's she's not as active, uh, from my oh. understanding, but she she pops in and out. And it's, it's pretty wild to have come full circle, so to speak, and to have them on my friends list and to, uh, you know, be able to reach out to them and chat about stuff. Yeah, that's, it's so crazy because like, you know, I, I love that show too. And you kind of become low key obsessed with the people in it because they're almost like characters themselves. Yeah, absolutely. You know? are. So like you see Mike Zahn responding to something about a Ouija board and you're like, holy shit, that's Mike Zahn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is a starstruck moment for me every time I see them, especially yeah. initially when I was first getting into the actual groups, right? The, the Facebook sure. groups and whatnot. Um, so that was that was a big thing for me, just interacting with them. I looked up to so so many of these people so early on, um, and I still do. Uh, it's just it's just different now that I'm fully immersed, I guess. Yeah, um, Melinda Mitchell is also uh, a member of. Um, that Facebook community, she's going to be starting the Museum of Mortality. Oh, cool. I think she said in Burlington. Uh, so that should be pretty interesting. I'm really excited for that to get kicked off. But she was on the show, too. Oh, that's fun. I interviewed her. Yeah, I, <laughs> whenever somebody cool or odd kind of like pops up in my feed, I'm like, hey, who are you? <laughs> yeah, it really gives so many people an opportunity to explore uh, their quirky sides. And I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy it so much too. It's such a unique yeah. community. Yeah, it really is. And it's kind of like, and you know, just for the the people who are listening, I'm purposefully not saying the name of the group just because there are so many people out there that don't appreciate oddities um, or, you know, the weird odd side of collecting. Um, oh yeah. I don't want those poor admins to have to <laughs> sift through a bunch of um requests for people you know who just want to go see something creepy or freaky 
Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I yeah. admin for several of these larger groups myself for yeah. gosh, just over a year. And uh, that in and of itself was such an experience, but you're, you're very right. There are people that might post something uh, unrelated in a, in a completely different group that has nothing to do with oddities. And from right. that post, we'll see a wave of new member requests from people that honestly have no business necessarily in an oddities group. They might see things that offend their delicate sensibilities, right? And then the next right. thing you know, that group gets pulled or shut down by Facebook. And that's that's no fun for anybody. Well, yeah. And you yourself have been in Facebook jail. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, I'm in it right now, actually. I was just <laughs> on a 30-day ban um, restriction. And uh, two days after getting my account back, it happened again. So, yeah, they, they're not a big fan of oddities, the Facebook folk, that's for sure. So what was it this time? You know, it's tough to say. It, it's getting... <laughs> It's getting to the point now where I stop investigating or doing any research on why. Why did this happen this time? Um, I just kind of accept it. You know, this is the first time it's happened back to back so quickly. Uh, but just before my last 30-day ban, I had uh, some beef with some competitors that were bullying some people in the community. Uh, and sure. uh, and so I get the impression that, you know, they're kind of potentially going out of their way to uh, make it rough for me. But uh, yeah. it, it's no big deal, honestly. It's just petty stuff, so it's fine. Well, you know what I think it was? What's that? I think it was those McDonald's Coke spoons. Oh, yeah. That could be it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, that's such a that's really such a mild item, too. Every, it, it really blows <laughs> right. my mind. The things that I, I, I know I get banned for, like they cite this post as the reason I'm in trouble, right? Um, oh, sure. They're, they're so mild compared to some of the other posts that go undetected. I might post a skull or, you know, a human skull, um, maybe human brains, anything that others might consider a reason to be banned. And I'm over here getting banned for, say, an empty pharmacy bottle from <laughs> 1920, right? You know, it's so silly to me. Yeah, it it really, it honestly, the, the, face, the whole Facebook jail thing, I mean, it seems like you're there and then you disappear for like a few days. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, I'm out of Facebook jail. Here I am again. And then you post something else and then you're gone again. Um, yeah. I don't understand like why there has to be so much drama, especially like you said, something so mundane as an old pharmaceutical bottle. Like, yeah. Yeah. That selling really old cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it were full, you know, I'd get that. Um, and, and some of these bottles I, 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 you know, list, they might be full, but certainly not of narcotics. So yeah, the, the bottles that I get banned for are typically harmless, completely mundane, harmless stuff. So it kind of blows my mind too. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's really astounding. Um, so let's kind of get into, um, where you've been and how you kind of got here. Um, can you kind of talk about um, your past and your journey to, you know, coming into the oddities community and beginning to sell? Because I know that sure. that's kind of a long road. <laughs> yeah, it certainly was. You know, I'd say the first half of my life, if not more, um, I always felt out of place and different. And if I had someone in my life that was already um, kind of immersed in the oddities community, it probably would have helped point me in a direction. Um, it would have given me some purpose or, or some kind of affirmation, you know, like, Oh, that's okay for people to do. Uh, sure. But I, I didn't. So 
um, I certainly don't mean to make excuses, but uh, I always felt different and out of place and I never really understood why. Right. Um, Mm. And I think that along with uh, several other factors um, really set me on this odd path early on. Uh, So I I always felt like an outcast and uh, that added to say social anxiety issues and other issues like depression and all that fun stuff. So that was a chore. Um, and that, that made it really difficult to find, you know, communities or groups that I felt like I belonged with or that I could get excited and passionate about. And, uh, and that, that again, put me on a very interesting path of, uh, poor decisions. And I kind of, I kind of just kept digging a hole for myself in that way. Um, you know, it, it turned really into a apathetic lifestyle where I really didn't care um, anymore. So the deeper I, I got myself into trouble, the less I cared about uh, more trouble, right? Mm-hmm. So um, all these poor decisions ultimately ended me up in prison. And uh, those those decisions were uh, like gun charges. I was stealing and selling guns. I was manufacturing and selling, uh, you know, gosh, like spice when that was popular. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Um, sort of taking advantage of the popularity of that. And uh, I, I just, I was a violent person too. I just was a bad person. And, uh, you know, and I'm certainly ashamed of that person, but um, I'm also super grateful for that journey um, and all the time I had to reflect. So, but again, those decisions ended me up in prison for uh, about five years of a 10 year sentence. And while there, I, I really flipped a switch because leading up to that, I knew that I wanted to make positive changes, but because I was so deep into that negative lifestyle, I, I had no idea where to begin. It wasn't just one or two things I needed to change. It was, it was everything about my life, right. um, in, including my personality and my behaviors, my thoughts. And that's tough. So uh, prison, prison was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really had an opportunity while there to to focus on that and those positive changes and um that that again that was really the best thing for me so when i got out i was motivated i was um i was more educated you know and i had a new capacity for insight right and self-reflection which is probably one of the more valuable things honestly and i i really dove into starting a new life um, and that started with pizza delivery, <laughs> uh, you know, and I was, uh, and I was okay with that. And I saved up a little money and I've got myself some painting supplies cause I knew how to paint, uh, homes. And so I started doing that. I started a business sure. and I was doing both at the same time. And then I kind of, you know, realized, okay, I can start doing the painting thing full time. So I did. And then that, that uh I, I found myself with some spare cash so i was spending my free time you know doing the antique store thing and and uh, thrift stores and just kind of passing the time that way and me and my lady at the time we were binging that show oddities again mm-hmm. and um i think that that moment right when i i was watching those shows those episodes all over again um i was at that point in my life where really that was this is it that's what I want to do. Um, and it wasn't a conscious decision to do it as a career, but more of a hobby. And, you know, that feels like who I am and where I belong. So that's what I'm going to focus on. 
And so my free time um, from painting, say, you know, winters are slow. Um, I would spend that downtime, you know, maybe crafting or building little knickknacks here and there. I would pick things up at thrift stores and, you know, kind of make them creepy in one way or another <laughs> and, uh, and, and list them in the groups. So December 2019, I started doing that and I made my own page. And that's officially when I started collecting as well. You know, I think late December, I was in a local antique store here in Boise. And I, there was a human skull in a cabinet, which is unheard of here in this area. Yeah. Um, and it really fascinated me. And I think I had to go back two or three times to look at it before I finally said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an offering for that. And that was before the school market went crazy and stuff. But uh, I put in an offer and they accepted. And for me at that time, that was a huge sum of money. I think I paid about six fifty seven hundred for my first school. Okay. And and that again for for me, pretty fresh out of prison starting over. That was a pretty big sum of money. Yeah. But uh that that piece officially, you know, put me on the path of like, okay, there's really no going back now. I mean, what the hell else am I gonna do with this thing? Um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I sort of dove all in at that moment, not specifically because of the school, but, you know, that was my my moment of committing to that lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, that that really changed things for me. And then being with so many surrounding myself with so many supportive people um, like my girlfriend and my folks, and um, they really helped me out supporting me and, you know, Sure. enabling my my positive changes and stuff so i'm very grateful to them as well but i'd say that all those factors led me to the facebook groups and the, the facebook groups the oddities groups uh really gave me an opportunity to put my time and attention into something i was very passionate about and the response to my little knickknacks and crafts you know my spooky stuff that i was trying to resell was uh outstanding it was remarkable and there was there was no turning back after that so i just kept going yeah so these little knickknacks you're talking about that you were building what were you building because i never actually saw any of that i think i've only been in the group maybe i want to say maybe a year and a half um so i think i missed all those little spooky knickknacks you know they were pretty typical uh because i was spying the groups for a while before i started making things so I was really just getting inspiration from other low profile sellers, um, just people doing it for fun. So we'll say, um, you know, maybe, maybe putting a skull on a doll or mm. let's see what else I, I, uh, I might make a shadow box display of some bones or, um, one piece I still have actually, I'm looking at it. It's a, it's a vintage nun doll, probably a 1930s nun doll. And uh, it's got a monkey skull uh, on it with the, you know, the typical nun garb. Oh, so sure. it's, it's pretty neat and spooky. And that's, that's a piece I'm tied to because it's one of the first things I made that I was, you know, pretty proud of. But right. like butterfly displays and things like that, I would make and, and flip in the groups. Oh, sure. Um, all right. So I guess from there, um, we've kind of addressed... Um, how your collection kind of changed from a personal collection to acquiring and selling. Um, and it really seems like oddities in general are, are your passion. Um, so I guess my question is, what is it about oddities that brings you so much enjoyment? 
you know, I, I, uh, I think it comes back to always feeling slightly different than everybody and not really understanding why or how. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure that I'm sure there's people out there that, that look at Ikea shoppers, for instance, and think, gosh, that's just kind of boring. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want Ikea furniture and decorations right. like everyone else. I don't want that print on my wall that a million people have. Um, and I think that's always been my mindset and, and not to put anyone down, of course, because uh, everyone, you know, everyone enjoys what they enjoy. And I encourage that. Um, I, I've just always felt a little different about that kind of stuff. So I, I prefer to be surrounded by things that are more unique um, and to take it farther, uh, dark, you know, macabre mm-hmm. things, things that are unusual and cool you know, cliche cool or like stereotypical cool, but, uh, for, for reasons that may go, uh, misunderstood, right. For me being surrounded by the dark and macabre gives me, gives me an appreciation for life, um, and where I've been and where I'm going and that we're, we're really on a short ride here. And you might as well uh, surround yourself with things that make you happy instead of, you know, just bland boring things yeah and i'm with you on the ikea stuff i really <laughs> i'm not a fan and again not to knock anyone I, some of the furniture is really cool i i've had some you know um i just don't want to surround myself with something that a, a million other people have yeah well i mean i think half of my room right now is those ikea um the tall cabinets the tall oh sure um sure and it's got, I've got a huge collection of Funko Pops. So like half of the room is Funko Pops. Oh, there you and go. And then the rest is like deformed turtles and <laughs> taxidermy and like random. Um, I think I bought, yeah, I think I bought a couple of uh, human gallstones. Um, oh, okay. In the group. Oh, wow. Um, See, I don't have any of those yet. Um, what else did I get? Oh, I got, I'm, try, I'm trying to make my own so I don't have to buy them. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> no, get to I've keep some mine pictures. when I had my gallbladder out. So I was like, God damn it. I'm going to buy some. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. You know, they always take it and dispose of it and they should just get they it right do. back. And it's lame that like, that's mine. <laughs> I know I worked so hard on that. You just took it from me. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I've seen some pictures of your setup and you definitely have uh, quite the range of, of tastes. So I, I can definitely appreciate that. And some <laughs> of the, some of the people that collect what I collect, um, they, they have Ikea stuff to display with. That's really cool. Some yeah. of the stuff is really neat, honestly. I guess I'm speaking more in regards to say artwork and things like that. Things that are more visual. Uh, oh, sure. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of mass produced, you know, things to surround myself with in that regard. So. Yeah, well, you know, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that I consider myself a rarity. Mm-hmm. Not like in the way like, ha, 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 you know, I'm so great. Um, but just the fact that, you know, I'm a unique individual and I have unique quirks and. Oh, absolutely. Things are me, you know? Yeah, yeah. They, they definitely um, portray your personality better than, than something that's mass produced can do. Well, right. And I mean, some people have seen like my podcast logo and they're like, what the hell is that? Why does it have fangs? It's a deer, right? 
And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a Siberian deer. It's a musk deer. So it has tusks and they fight with the tusks and they're like, oh, I said, yeah, it's a vampire deer. Like, no, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much out there to take in and explore. And um, we're, we're really kind of conditioned to just accept, you know, what, what's cultural to us and what's um, common. And that's, right. that's kind of where I like to deviate. Right. And there's so much weird stuff too in different cultures. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like not necessarily that this is, this is weird. It's odd to me because I'm not a part of that culture. Um, but I recently got some hell money. Oh, okay. And I just love it. I'm like that. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like that macabre, like, so I took it and I put it on my shelf by like my fossilized whale vertebrae and, um, you know, my human gallstones and then like my little, um, well, they're not really little. They're kind of big, actually. They're um, the rings from um, the Giants at Ringling Brothers Burnham and Bailey Circus from like the Oh, 19- yeah. Those are great. Those giant rings. So I displayed it all on this, you know, little coffin shaped shelf. And everybody who comes into my office is like, what is that? And they're not talking about the shelf or the fossils or, (laughs) I mean, they don't usually know what the gallstones are. They think that they're just rocks. Um, but they look at the hell money and they're like, wow, what is that? Yeah. Well, it's colorful and it draws the eye and it looks like currency. It really looks real. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's a learning experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what you're saying about connecting, you know, feeling like you can't really connect other people. Um, I feel like, I feel like that's how I connect to other people. Yeah, that's a great point. Look at this weird shit. This is the story behind it. You know, like, what do you think about that? And then people will start, you know, communicating back and forth. I mean, that's really how I got the following for my podcast was people saw me posting weird shit (laughs) on Facebook and they were like, what is that? And then I told them and they were like, oh, you have a podcast. And they started following me. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that we're kind of in the same boat as far as, you know, the oddities community kind of helping us to connect because I'm not a real social butterfly. Yeah. You know, generally people suck. So, so I try to stay away from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel, I feel like I suck. So that's kind of where I'm at. You know, <laughs> I, I stay away from people to give them the relief. Um, but no, I completely <laughs> relate to what you're saying. Uh, the, the sharing aspect is the most rewarding part to me. If I yeah. learn something new that I find uh, incredible, amazing, and fascinating, especially when it applies to my interests, like dark, macabre stuff, like, you know, f- antique funeral or embalming or human um, remains, I, I love sure. sharing that stuff because it's so fascinating to me. You know, um, yeah. the little kid side of me comes out for sure. Like, look, look what I found. Look, look at this. You know, right. so that's, so that's many- definitely the most rewarding side for me. Yeah, well, and like there's so many um, people in in the oddities group too that have little kids that are starting their own collections. And oh I yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, it's it's cute too. Like, oh, that's cute. You know, Jimmy is interested in bones or whatever. <laughs> um, but it's it's kind of cool that we're kind of influencing the next generation of oddities collectors. You know, yeah. kind of small, tight-knit group. Yeah, that's that's another thing that blows my mind. Um, and I wish someone would have done that for me early on. Yeah. But giving giving kids a sense of purpose and direction without it being, you know, 
uh, we'll say common, common things, you know, it's perfectly fine to put someone on drums when they're young so that they can learn and it, and it gives them, you know, something to do and, and learn and potentially grow into a career or whatever, but to give them a sense of identity that's different from everyone else, uh, which, you know, oddities and collecting and antiques, uh, seems to do that. That's really special to me. And that gives them a, 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 a greater understanding of the difference between individual people early on, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and I know that we've, um, kind of already talked about some of the potentially offensive things that, you know, you've posted on Facebook or, you know, sold in your shop, Mm -hmm. but I do have, I actually have a couple of listeners submitted questions. Okay. So the first one is a little long. Sure. Um, and it's from Jennifer in Akron, Ohio. Uh, Jennifer wants to know, um, how you deal with oddities that have a dark past um, and the items that it sounds like she's asking about the energies um, that are potentially attached to those items. Um, Sure. I get that question quite a lot. Yeah. And then the other part of it is uh, you list these darker items based on their moment in history. And you talk about the history quite openly. Uh, I've seen books on eugenics in your shop, unclaimed cremains, lobotomy tools, brothel tokens. I could go on and on because I doubt there's an oddity out there that somebody outside of the oddities community couldn't look at and say, well, that's inappropriate. Um, How do you go about crafting the content for your sales posts? Is it like walking on eggshells or do you pretty much know how people are going to respond and just do you. And then she asks about um, whether or not you've received a lot of flack from certain people based on what you sell or what you've sold. That's a great question. You know, again, I get the first part of that question quite often, but the second part uh, less for sure, if, if ever. And, and this is all pretty new to me, even though I'm about two and a half years into this now, which, which is wild to me saying that out loud. Uh, <laughs> I still feel brand new to the community every day I feel brand new um but to answer the first part I I grew up uh believing in um we'll say you know we'll we'll say negative energy positive energy all that fun Mm -hmm. stuff ghosts and and all that spooky stuff and I think as I got older and became more of a cynic (laughs) um I I sort of found my heroes I, I really discovered that my heroes were um, some, some high profile critical thinkers, you know, Carl Sagan, James Randi, um, people that who are openly calling out, uh, the, the spiritual believers and, and a lot of the people that made a living from being psychics or ghost hunters and things like that. Right. Oh, sure. And, and so I, I found myself believing less and less and less of it as an adult. And now that I'm surrounded by I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm literally surrounded by human remains and I, I have never had an experience myself. Right. I, I, mm. that to me leaves two possibilities, not to say there are more, but in my, in my mindset, the possibilities are either that those things don't exist. Right. Mm. Or that for some reason they're leaving me alone. Um, and I'm okay with it either way. Right. <laughs> Uh, but no, that, that is a great question. I get it often. And to put it simply, I just don't believe in, in that stuff. My personal mm. worldview is that when you die, you're dead. And, um, 
you know, your remains are just that they're just left behind. And, uh, I, I personally would rather be honored on someone's shelf than, than in the ground. Um, but that, that's just me. Of course, a lot of people get creeped out by that. But the second part of the question, that's, that's a great, great question. And I think the, the most simple answer to that is that I, I really just do me right. Um, part of what I do is, uh, is treasure hunting basically i feel like a pirate sometimes because <laughs> i'm always looking i'm always inspired by things around me or other collectors or just random things in the world maybe i'm watching something on on youtube and i see something in the in in the background that fascinates me right so i'll immediately grab my my tools and start looking um start treasure hunting for those things and i'll i'll usually find them in one form or another and that opens up a whole new world for me of uh exploration you know i'm always finding things that i never knew existed and and they're always coming in the mail every single day i've got new things coming and going and it's really it's really rewarding in that way to be able to discover all this new stuff uh it's it's new to me right and and so that that really inspires awe and curiosity every single day for me and it's really exhausting but it's also really really rewarding um so again the simple answer is I just really do me and uh, the people who um, get enjoyment out of my posts and who are interested in, you know, buying some of the things that have passed through my hands. Uh, those tend to be the people that, that share that worldview, not all of sure. them, of course, but uh, you know, I, I find that a lot of people are following the page just because they're, it's just the morbid curiosity of what I might post next. Right. They, oh, they sure, may not right. be buyers yeah, at all. <laughs> poke the freak um, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of them are easily offended or they, they speak up about certain posts and that's okay. That's yeah. absolutely okay. I don't take offense to that. Um, I understand that a lot of what I post or do or find or share um, it's, it's offensive, right? Yeah. Um, I, I used to be morbidly into say child pieces because to me, the untimely death of a human is uh the most tragic and i find sure. i find a lot of beauty in tragedy because again our our journey is so short regardless so to think about journeys being cut especially short is is tragically beautiful to me and so i mm -hmm. focused on child pieces for for quite a bit um so when i post child pieces i i i tend to expect some some <laughs> you know some either disgust or some repulsion some uh, negative feedback but again i'm not really in this to make others happy primarily that's not my primary reason for doing this that's a that's just a bonus so yeah if people follow and they enjoy what i post um that's great but at the end of the day this is really all about me enjoying my journey and i think that is one of the reasons that the page and the shop have been successful is because it's clear that i really enjoy what i do and i enjoy yeah. making other people happy so it's it's been very rewarding in that way yeah. And I mean, you know, in all honesty, I always say when somebody takes issue with something that I post, um, you know, it's just making my life a little bit easier because then I know that I just have to put you on my block list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's a great point. Um, my block list on Facebook is incredibly long, yeah. but it's never, it's never because someone voices an opinion on my business page. Mm. It's always because they want to make it personal. And um, yeah. that's, that's usually never my um, prerogative. It's, it's almost always someone else's. Yeah. 
and and that's okay. Uh, but again, it makes it really easy for me to figure out um, who, whoever crosses a line between my business and my personal. Um, mm. They're they're usually the ones that find themselves blocked. Yeah. 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 So I'm definitely grateful to Facebook for that feature because it makes it real <laughs> simple sometimes. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, you know, my my block list isn't necessarily um, as prolific as yours, but, you know, it's it's nice now that my Facebook is kind of getting to a point where I see what I want to see and I hear what I want to hear. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I understand, a, definitely a benefit. too, that, that that's a little problematic because then you don't really see anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I That's don't really want to see anything else. So <laughs> yeah, there is a fine line between say, um, you know, taking in new experiences and new opinions that are conflicting right. versus say, um, you know, an echo chamber where all you hear are yep. maybe reinforcements of your own opinion. And that's, that's unhealthy of course, but there, there's yeah. both ends of the spectrums and that's, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook seems to do a great job of, um, being either black or white and there's not really any shade of gray in there. It's just kind of, Oh, you like this really super conservative page. Oh, well, here's 500 other super conservative pages. And then all of a sudden your Facebook is ultra conservative and you can't see anything else. And, you know, obviously the other way as well, you know, you oh, absolutely. Yeah. Here in liberal media. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, now all I see is liberal media. And I kind of want to see what the other side is saying because I want to respond or I want to have a dialogue, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty toxic and it's gotten really bad for sure. Oh God. And, the pandemic um, yeah. has made people insane. <laughs> it really oh has, my yes. God. I yeah. don't under, like being a member of the oddities community and like posting weird shit and whatever. Like, yes, I get responses to the things that I post but it seems like the responses that I've been receiving most recently, like since the pandemic really ramped up, have been just three or four times as insane. Yeah, yeah, it, it really has. You know, <sighs> everyone's got a megaphone right now just because they're, uh, they're bored. Everyone's bored and they, they're, all, they're all eager to be heard, we'll say. Well, right. And you know, where do you go when you want to be an armchair expert on literally everything you go on Facebook? Yep. Yeah. You're, you're right. And comment on everybody else's shit and know everything. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that takes yeah. me back to, um, it definitely brings it back to how silly it is that I get banned for some things that are <laughs> so, so generic, right. And not for voicing opinions or being, you know, disrespectful. Um, but for posting, you know, a knickknack from 1920. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I might get an opportunity to have it appealed. Uh, like, let's get a human to look at this and they come in and they, <laughs> they can, sorry, this is totally against the rules. You can't be posting bottles. That's un unacceptable. Right. But meanwhile, people are just tearing into each other about politics and stuff and that's okay. Oh yeah. Well, and I read an article pretty recently too, about um, the people that actually like work behind the scenes at Facebook and, review all of these issues mm -hmm. um and some of the shit that they see like they have ptsd now oh yeah i can believe it they're really messed up because they're seeing anything and everything that these random people these crazy people are trying to post on facebook you know just for the public to see and they have to review it that's their job and like i understand that they need to have people to do that but holy shit
film. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely have their hands full. That's for, that's for sure. And it goes the same for religion and stuff, you know, of course, in fact, before I really found purpose, I, I was focusing on my journey on, um, uh, religions and, Hmm. and just exploring all those options. And I found myself not quite, you know, able to pick or settle on any. Um, so I kind of went with the title of like a secular humanist, right? I'm not quite atheist. If evidence presents itself, I'm happy to change my mind, that kind of thing. Right. Um, but that, I mean, that's just another example of a super toxic environment to surround yourself with. And I feel the same way about politics. You know, it's just so bad for the soul. (laughs) It's really, really, really bad. And it's so easy to get worked up over, over people's conflicting opinions. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've been to Vatican city, so oh, fun. completely jaded now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> 110%. Yeah. Isn't that, I, I think, what is that? The smallest country in the world, but it's also the richest. It is one of the most insane places I think I've ever been. It's, I'm sure it's surreal. I'm sure it was just so surreal. Oh my God. Well, they, they literally have a line. There's this metal line in the ground that separates Vatican City from the rest of Rome. Yeah. And when you're in Vatican City, everything is shiny and everything is beautiful, right? Everything is perfect. And the stupid little guards there with their puffy hats and their stupid freaking pantaloons. And then you turn around and you literally take 10 steps outside of Vatican City over that line. And there are people just prostrate on the stones who are starving to death. And they're not allowed in Vatican City. Wow, just so wild to me. That was the thing that got me. The minute, because we, so when I went there, um, I went there for free. Um, I was chosen to go on a pilgrimage because when I was in um, college getting my bachelor's degree, I think I was probably the closest to being a Satanist than I ever would be in my life. Yeah. Um. And I think that they saw that, the Franciscans saw that, and they were like, well, we're going to have a convert. And I was like, ha I get a free trip to Italy. Um, but I got there, and it was literally the Franciscans who were telling me, now, if the homeless people get too close, you just push them away, or you tell them no. Oh, wow. How, how nice. Food. Don't give them money. You know? Just <laughs> the craziest shit. And I'm looking at this guy, and he's dressed like Fire Tuck, Right? So he's literally, he's dressed up in like Franciscan robes with like the little belt and the hood and all this kind of stuff. And he's literally telling me to push homeless people away. And St. Francis was like a man of the people, (laughs) you know, who like gave to the hungry and claimed nothing for himself. He lived in total poverty. And so you have these people wearing these garbs and they're telling you to push the homeless people away. I, I just, I couldn't even, I confronted one of them and I was like, you call yourself a religious man and you wear that tunic, but you don't believe anything that's coming out of your own mouth. Yeah. Yeah. That's a is jealous example. of what's coming out of your mouth. <laughs> oh yeah. No, absolutely. No. I, I've, it really does blow my mind too, honestly. And that's a, that's a great example, but there's so many examples. It's just, it's pretty sad, honestly, the state of affairs. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and it's not, it's not all religions. It's not everyone, you know, there's not like, no, there's no big box that you can tick where like, you're going to get, you know, one or the other. 
kind of thing. You know, like you're not going to get just bad religious people or just good religious people. You know, there's shades of gray there. Oh, of course. But, you know, just the experiences that I've personally had, I don't, I, I personally can't affiliate myself with anything. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's, yeah. it, it, you know, from my experiences, fundamentally, all humans are the same. Fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then you give them opportunity um, to be different. And uh, it's, mm. it's, it leads to all kinds of bad things. I find that the more unsatisfied someone is with their own life, um, the more that they are, you know, the more they'd rather judge, we'll say, and, uh, and, and sort of just put that, put that out in the world, all that negativity. Sure. So, yeah, I try to avoid those controversial subjects, but as I was coming mm -hmm. to my own, I was focusing a lot on, say, atheism and uh, religion and, and all that. Um, but now I've kind of moved past it. I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> that's yeah, the bottom right. line. I don't, you believe what you want, that's totally fine. You yeah, know? I mean, um, my, my whole family, um, you know, the, the, my uncle is um, a Buddhist. Oh, wow. Um, my grandmother um is roman catholic mm -hmm. my father and my grandfather were both salvation army so you're all over the place and you're janine it's like a fucking doppler radar i swear <laughs> just all over the place um, yeah it's pretty wild to me like sixty thousand sects sex of christianity alone you know that's a right. lot that's a lot of choices yeah it, it really is um and then of course you know when i started collecting weird stuff um, my grandfather who, you know, um, he actually, he passed away in October of last year. Um, but he was very, I mean, he wasn't super like ultra religious, but when he heard the kinds of things that I was collecting, he was like, why do you want to do that? You know, God punishes, like you're collecting, like, I forget what he said it was like Satanistic something or other. And I was like, pop, literally like it's just a deformed turtle. Like, can we just, Yeah. like, it's cool. That's why I have it. You know, I'm not putting it on an altar and like sacrificing <laughs> a dark Lord That's funny. or something, you know, like literally no, I'm just, just yeah. I'm just collecting because it's, it's interesting. It's cool. It's fun. It's interesting and it's different and it's quirky. Oh, and right. that's and me I mean, you in can, a nutshell. You can research this, this shit. You know, you can go online and be like, what is hydrocephaly? Yeah. Find all of this information and go down this internet rabbit hole of like people that have had it and people who have died because of it and, you know, learning about like treating it and, you know, how they used to treat it and how they do now. And it's, you know, it's just, I mean, that's, I, you know, I'm like you, I'm in it for the opportunity to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pass on that knowledge to other people, you know, he just doesn't, he, he didn't get that. Yeah, and that's that's a tough mindset to to be in, especially for your entire life. Um, oh, sure. And and there is that. It's it's tough for me to be positive in some uh, situations. In fact, mm -hmm. as an example, just the other day, someone on my Instagram um, from the Middle East, he he clearly took a look at all my posts and then picked one or two to go on a tirade about about you know uh, Americans are all devil worshippers and oh. and uh, you know this is all this is all garbage Satanist shit. And he was specifically ranting on a, I think it was a, a child skull post, uh, you know, 
but th- that's an example of some things that you know um i'll deal with on occasion and that's right. again that's okay but all that tells me is that you're you're not completely understanding what's happening here and you're generalizing of course you know all yeah. americans are satanists and this and that so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's super easy to cherry pick when you're looking at something like a child's skull <laughs> on instagram you know yeah oh yeah yeah you see that and you uh, just make the assumption like oh my god every american has a child skull in their home this is ridiculous <laughs> i mean i don't have a i mean okay so i'm canadian mm-hmm. uh, we're done talking i'm done talking to you <laughs> I That's where I draw the line. Trash can heads. Like, fuck you, Ike. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but you know, I mean, I would love to have a child skull in my collection. My wife, not so much. She would be like, nope. She's drawn the line at um, human skulls. I do have a couple of rib bones uh-huh. um, that I want to mount in a shadow box frame, like a heart. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but, but those are literally the only things that I have in my collection besides the gallstones that she's like, okay, that's all the human stuff now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the trick is to slowly bring them in one by one and surround, (laughs) surround her with them until she, she realizes or sees one thing, then you can find out the rest. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't go digging up graves or anything to, to make that happen. Get them, you know, get them as ethically as possible. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I wasn't intending on uh, becoming a resurrection man. I was, you know, I was just gonna. <laughs> and you know, that's fun too. Or something. That's such a that's such an interesting part of history to me is the um just just the medical specimen side of things, whether obtained ethically or not. It's it is a part of medical history. Uh, oh, totally. And, and that to me is fascinating. So people often ask, mm-hmm. like, how do you how do you make the distinction between whether or not that skull is medical or not? Um, mm. And, and in some cases, I truly don't. I really have no clue. And I'm not going to pretend that I do. But right. uh, whether it's a medical prep or it, it was obtained from uh, a medical estate, it has mm-hmm. medical history. Um, mm-hmm. And whether someone dug the grave up or the body was donated, it still has that medical history attached to it. Um, and that, yeah. to me, is, is fascinating alone, uh, aside from the dark and macabre aspect of it. But all that collective history has contributed so much to where we are today um, with our understanding of medicine. It's so, it's so fascinating and interesting to me. Yeah. um, You know, I mean, like you said, you know, there's, there's a whole legal aspect um, to it, but even people like, you know, Burke and Hare who were, you know, killing people and digging up bodies or whatever, they were still donating. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, they were getting paid for it. um, And that was really their ultimate motivation. But, you know, the fact that they did that, did further medical science. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And that's, you that's know? where I take, that's where I, uh, I, I sort of take the acceptance of like, well, maybe it wasn't ethical at the time. However, it's sure. still okay to honor the history of it, you right. know? Yeah. 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 So it's, it's typically the history itself, especially the dark history that I find myself the most fascinated with. So the piece itself is, um, is a relic and that's nice to have. And appreciate yeah. it in that way but it's mostly uh the symbol of the history and that's why i enjoy some of these things so very much yeah and you know those those child skulls the fact that we're born with every tooth that we will ever need and it's pretty wild side of our head floating there until they float into place the creepiest coolest thing yeah it's definitely something 
in fact, I was, like... it's weird you brought that up. I just took some pictures yesterday of two specimens that I have that, uh, well, they're child skulls with exposed, you know, milk deciduous teeth and uh, adult teeth, right? So oh. we got to reflect on that just yesterday, and that's it's so wild. Yeah, that's that's super. Yeah, the exposed dentition. I I love that stuff. Yeah, it's really neat, and it's it's pretty it's pretty much an art to me. It's an art form, basically, to to do that so oh, yeah. uh, surgically, right? To be so precise with it. Um, these some of these pieces are are art pieces to me. They're they're prepared in such a way that it's actually stunningly beautiful. Oh, sure. I mean, when you look at things like, um, is it uh, Beauchene or Beauchene? Yeah, yeah, the exploded school. Exploded, and you can mm -hmm. pull them apart and see all of the inner work. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, that, that to me is about um, as artistic an example of, say, a working history piece as you can get. It's, yeah. just, it's just stunning. It really is. Yeah. And for someone who's not in the know, who, who's never heard of or seen a piece like that, to be in its presence for the first time is pretty awe-inspiring. Yeah. Like, what is that? Right. Well, and I've never seen one in person. I've only actually seen one on um, on oddities when they, mm -hmm. you know, they had one in their collection or whatever, and they were pulling the pieces apart. And it was literally like a, what in the hell is that? Yeah, yeah, um, it, absolutely. Gives you like, an opportunity to think of things. How do you do that? Things. And then all the little levers and like hooks and <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, uh, it's crazy to me the amount that goes into something like that. Yeah, it, it really is mind blowing. I have a piece here mm -hmm. that's that's likely more modern prep than say the uh, authentic true antiques, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's a child school uh, in Bouchain prep. And it's exploded, and um, oh. it also has exposed dentition. But it is oh. just—it's—it's it's one of my favorite pieces for sure, just because of how how it's really remarkable just to look at it and realize how many hours someone has into the meticulous um, articulation. Right? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So to kind of go down that road of um, kind of like the the craziest artistic or like the weirdest artistic. Um, what are some of like the weirdest things that you found or that somebody has tried to sell you? Weirdest and artistic, you know, that's tough. There's quite a few, there's quite a few pieces that, that, uh, I've come across that I've gone, gosh, that's pretty remarkable. Someone put a lot of time into that, you know, yeah. offhand, I'd say there's some pretty common answers, uh, yeah that kind of have me wondering like how did they do that or or it really it really causes me to reflect on like gosh this this piece is tied to history in such a remarkable way and one yeah. one example would be um a kapala skull for instance mm -hmm. right uh you know a tantric ritual skull for instance um mm -hmm. so it, i have one here that's heavily carved and ornate and uh it's it's beautiful but it not only represents an uh, interesting part of culture, their culture and history, but it's also a functional piece of art. Mm. And another example would be something relatively simple, like, uh, and that was, you know, uh, commercially produced, like 3M company made x-ray phantoms for um, x-ray calibration, right? I love those things. <laughs> yeah, they're really fascinating. But the fact that they use real human bone 
Yeah. And, until recently. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty amazing. And they're becoming more and more uncommon and difficult to find. But there's one here that I acquired fairly recently. And it's mm. it's just pretty weird to look at because it's encased in resin. Yeah. Right. And it's done in stages, uh, probably about 20 or 30 layers in total. So you can see the amount of work that went into making it. Yeah. But someone's someone's skull is inside there. And that's just so <laughs> weird to me, you know. Um and as I walk around, I'm looking at some more examples. One would be oh, sure. a company uh, around the turn of the century, late 1800s to maybe 1920s. They were manufacturing pieces for secret societies um, and fraternal groups. Oh, sure. And one piece I'm looking at here is a, a full paper mache skeleton, right? It's a fully articulated skeleton done in the style of a real medical prep. And it's just paper mache. It's a full life-size skeleton that's paper and glue, basically. And it survived, you know, 100 years wow. uh, on its journey to end up here with me, which is pretty wild. Yeah, that's crazy. Or, or even just a full skeleton. A full articulated human skeleton requires so much work and precision to string it all yeah. together. And that, to me, is, is just beautiful by itself. Yeah. Um, Valerie in Anchorage, Alaska wants to know what your Holy Grail item is. I can't even imagine what that is because you have so much cool stuff. <laughs> That's tough. You know, I, I guess there's a typical list that that oddities collectors sort of, uh, they kind of check the boxes as they go along in their yeah. journey. Um, but I, I don't know that I actually have a list or that I follow any list. I think... Mm -hmm. I think the Holy Grail pieces for me are just things that I, I didn't even know about and I might oh, sure. discover them in the wild. So that, that gets me the most excited is when I find something in the wild, especially in Idaho where I'm at, because there's not much out here. Right. Oh, sure. So if I were to give an example, um, I, I recently was at an antique store locally and I found a, it's a perfect condition, like early 1900s, radium water jug and i oh, i had cool. never even heard of i've never heard of that before and so i saw it and it said radium water on the side and i looked it up and i'm like what the what the hell is that and immediately you know all these dark connotations are attached to it and all these all these things i was finding on it um as i was looking at it, it was just it was super fascinating like wow this is this is incredible people were drinking this thinking it was helping them and it, their jaws were falling off oh my you know? god uh, so yeah, it's really nothing that I seek out. I, my Holy Grail pieces are things that I don't even know exist yet. That's it for me, dear listeners. I'd like to thank Matt Robertson for allowing me the time to chat about assorted spookery. And I hope that you'll all check out his shop. I'll return in a few weeks with a whole new season. But for now, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, stay spooky. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer, and the music was created using GarageBand. Find The Odd Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at IdentityPod, and on Facebook as The Identity Podcast. A transcript of this episode will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Got a paranormal experience to share? Send those along to theidentitypodcast at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard, 
please take a moment to mash that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Don't forget to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about this podcast. Every little bit helps.